<laughs> why? We were Perfect. so close, Gavin. Like, right there. Welcome to the party. Gavin. Welcome to the party. Welcome to Tales from the Ditch with Seth, Sean, Sound Guy Greg, and Gavin Jarvis, uh, professor at, is it Western Seminary? Uh, yeah, Emeritus. Um, <laughs> Esquire? Honorable Esquire <laughs> uh, of the throne. If Gavin says anything that infuriates you, please send us an email at talesfromtheditch at gmail.com or visit our website to donate to the cause, the Irish Republic cause, and uh, that's at talesfromtheditch.download. Winner of the Jerry Falwell Diversity and Tolerance Award. Is it Fal? Am I saying it right? Falwell? Or Falwell. Jerry Falwell Diversity and Tolerance Diversity Award. Diversity Tolerance Award. All right. Gavin Jarvis, pastor, etc., etc., emeritus esquire of Living Stones Sparks Church. Pastor of community groups. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's been kind of a wild transition, so it's been fun. Transition from? From being, uh, the, the family guy. So still kind of the family guy. Kids like me. Yeah. Which I, I didn't expect stepping into the family ministries that most kids are going to be like, oh, you're kind of cool. You're pretty likable. You're likable. And I'm like, that's good. I'm glad you kids like me. So I think you've always been pretty likable. It's hard not to like a Gavin, although there are some people that don't like Gavin. Yeah. Yeah, I'm likable, and then I'm not likable. <laughs> so, people know that. People know that pretty well. Gavin, you grew up in Marina, California? I grew up in Marina, California until I was seven. And then uh, my mom and my brother and me moved up to Reno, we started in Sun Valley, and then we went to Golden Valley, and then Sun Valley, and then Sparks, um, and then landed in Reno, um, I think around middle school. And then uh, I lived with my parents until a couple months before I got married, and we moved out to Sparks. It's a good been, life. Been here ever since, and a, a year in Texas. So, In Marina, I just drove through there the other day. Uh, nice place. Did you have a ditch? It was probably the beach, huh? Was the beach the ditch? No. I think the ditch was school after school um, because there's a whole bunch of uh, Spanish oak trees that were lined up Mm. against uh, the elementary school. And so that's where we would either – we would climb up in and didn't build a treehouse, but but you've seen them. They spread out and they're just flat. Mm -hmm. And so we'd we'd go climbing in that. And those were simpler times I remember – in kindergarten and first grade, uh, you you got into a fight and you would punch each other, and if uh, somebody won or you lost, it didn't matter. Afterwards, you were friends. Um, right. Like you shake hands, right? Yeah, you shake hands, and then that's that's how it goes. So that was the ditch for us. Bully for you. Bully. <laughs> Bully. Bully for friendships. To friendships. I saw a thing on. I think it, it was unfortunately in response to the mass shooting, school shooting in Florida. But it was like... Uh, Diving into deep waters already. All yeah, right. sorry. It was like... It showed a, just a picture of two kids fi- in a fist fight. And it was like, before the internet, this was how we uh, handled our beefs or something like that. And I thought it was actually... Even though I thought it was kind of silly and, and kind of an irresponsible thing to post so quickly after that. I do have to agree that it's nice when you know that... A fist fight is a fist fight, and it's like only flesh or uh, fists on fists, and no like knives or guns or anything like that. Because uh, then, when what you about w- bats? Yeah, like brass knuckles, bats, any of that stuff. I f- I understand where it comes from because it levels the playing field when kids are getting picked on that can't uh, represent themselves very well with their fists. But I feel like. A precursor should always be just a fair skin-on-skin fist fight. It really did uh, seem to sort things out a lot better. Gavin, question. How is 
masculinity doing in the culture in the let me see uh, which one do I want to ask first? How is masculinity doing in the culture? How is it doing in the church? Good or bad? Uh, what do you think? Uh, how have we handled masculinity? Like when you think of men in the church and masculinity and knowing what it is to be a man, you know, uh, in a holistic way, all aspects of being a man. How has the church handled it? I mean, what do you think? Good, bad? So culture and then the church next. What do you think? How How is masculinity doing our culture? Uh, where do you think we're at with it? And then where is masculinity in the church? How have we handled it? What do you think? Yeah. Well, it's been a rough year, uh, I think, church and culture. Uh, I was watching the Olympics um, last night with my wife, beautiful wife, Kelly. You know, hashtag wise watch, uh, eighth place. So he qualified. Hope that's not on tonight. I don't know what that means. I don't yeah. know anything you just said. David Wise, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, we're rooting for you. He's a local, right? He's a local. Yeah. Good guy. So I think I had dinner with or lunch with him once and I didn't know who he was. And then they were like, oh, he's a skier. I was like, oh, that's cool. Your claim to fame. Yeah. There's my claim to fame. That's it. Um, right said Fred retweeted me once. So stop it. That's oh, true. There you go. Yeah, I have a picture with me and Ryan Stoffer and D.A. Carson, and he looks very annoyed. (laughs) Just just like glib. Um, And I don't know if that's his normal face or or if he was just really. I heard he's quite the toot. He's quite the hard language. It was fun watching him look at the the Logos preview. Logos is a a Bible software, and he's looking at the screen, and I was just picturing him thinking in my head, oh, I suppose if you don't read Greek fluently, that's how you could study the Bible if you want a rudimentary idea. (laughs) Whenever I read Carson, that's that's the voice I read it in, actually. Yeah, you have to start with this just sort of, I'm a Christian and I love you, but but I'm also just just a, a little above you. Like, not so much that you wouldn't talk to me, but enough that you know... Yeah. Um, so to masculinity, um, I think that, you know, with everything going on with the Time's Up movement, and it was funny because uh, Jimmy Fallon last night made a joke. See, we're back full circle. He said, uh, the men's team has been all but eliminated and the women are dominating. And that's uh, the story of uh, 2017 and 2018 so far as well. Ugh. And um, I think what, what happened was... What is the for, Time's Up movement? Can you define that real quick? Yeah, the Time's Up movement is is the... Uh, Hollywood movement, but it's, it's probably bigger than that, that that's been spun on by the, the hashtag Me Too movement and people realizing all of a sudden, oh my gosh, um, this mistreatment of women is everywhere. And, and most notably, um, I forget the guy's name, um, but the gymnastics coach. Oh, um, that guy's dude. Yeah, old Rapey McGee. Oh, yeah. He's. <laughs> Rough. His eyes. So, so I mean, 158 cases, 158 women, and what's happening now is rightfully um, justice is being served to to these men who have done these things. Um, with that, everybody's a little punchy because I was also listening to uh, the radio, and Ryan Seacrest was also under allegations, and uh, he was just cleared by his company. They said, "Hey, we we looked into this. Um, like, it, it looks like there's no case of wrongdoing." Um, but the sad thing is, is that, uh, like, I think we're, we're trying like as, and when I say the church, um, I'm really just speaking as, as well as I can about the, the worldwide church and the, the American church in specific. But I think we're just at a point weirdly enough as a culture and as a church where we're saying, can, can we just have men of character? Like, right. could, could we have men that, that are respectful and like who are men that that we can trust and look up to specifically like celebrity men yeah celebrity or men celebrity um, or or authoritative men or in, leaders in the or just yeah. Men. yeah yeah and i mean if, if we're if we're being honest about um like the allegations and 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 not only the allegations but the kind of people who have have gotten into power over the last few years um not talking about anyone specifically um <laughs> Does it rhyme with rump? Um, close. Leon's crump? Are you talking about Leon's crump, crump right no. now? <clears throat> Gavin. Also, Le- Leon's, if you're listening, what's up? Uh, we've, yeah. ha- we've talked like maybe 15 seconds, but, but you're also very We cool. do love you, Leon's. Um, He's clearly not talking about you because so. I know you would manhandle me in like two <laughs> seconds. Ronald yeah. Brump. And, and, and you know, <laughs> That's like. That's who you're talking about, right? Like, he- here we are, you know, and, and ladies, I think. I don't know if they would say this, but I, I feel like there probably are a lot of ladies 
um, that live here in a pretty conservative town, like Washoe County swung, swung liberal, um, in the last election, but there were still a lot of people going around there like, yeah, I'm, I'm voting conservatively. And, and there's almost no way to go into that and, and not feel betrayed if you're, if you're on, like, if you are someone who, like, I sympathize with the refugees. I, I, like, I am, I'm a woman and, and I kind of see the point. And so there's been this refreshing move, but also this, this swift move. And, and it's been interesting, even from a Christian perspective, to see what it looks like when justice is meted out and everybody says, well, good. I'm glad that justice is being met out. And then as Christians, we believe that one day Christ is going to come back and do that on a full scale. And, uh, that, that's kind of wild to think, um, like, this is what this looks like when it's just a few people. Like, what is this going to look like when it's humanity? So I think, uh, I think the short and the conclusion of that is short, um, suffering. Um, but I mean, if you look at history, um, are we suffering more than we have in, in times past outside of revival or, or crisis? I don't know. Um, uh, because guys have perpetually done some crazy things. Sean Moss, your turn. Masculinity uh, is threatened right now by the feminist imperative. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think for a long time when we were young kids in church, all three of us, uh, masculinity was a difficult thing and it was really hard to understand how you could be a man and a Christian when your only models for that were um, uh, men who, I think, mistakenly dampened their masculinity because uh, they bought into the uh, half-truth that like m- the facets of masculinity are sinful, no matter what. And so they avoided being that way whatsoever. And I think... Um, w- I think we saw the pendulum swing the other way uh, when we got older. Churches like Mars Hill, where um, I would say outright chauvinism were kind of celebrated a little bit. And unfortunately, and to a, a very unfortunate extent, um, to the point where it's almost like this uh, level of masculinity in the church was like correcting itself with the pendulum swing. I think now we're at a point where... Uh, men do have the ability to be men in the church, but we're just trying to discover what that means. And so I think there's a, like a lot of confusion around what masculinity means. And there's been like some stuff addressing this. Like we all read that wild at heart book that I really, I haven't, you haven't read it. I heard the premise of it and I use it in counseling or not <laughs> counseling, but, but telling people about marriage. It's like that one premise of, of Adam being in the wilderness and otherwise I haven't read it. So. Uh, well, it's a good book, but almost everybody in our tribe hates it because, uh, it's written by, um, an Armenian, um, kind of pastor. I, I like it. He just, I felt he put emphasis on some things that I think, some I thought some aspects were good. There's some now that I feel could have been corrected. I oh, still absolutely. like the book, but yeah. But yeah, so there was that. And then um, obviously there's been some other things more recently that talk about masculinity. Mason's book, Eric Mason's book on manhood, I thought was really good. And there's a couple other, um, there's a lot of books on fatherhood that I think have been really good and helped, helped me to straighten out. But I think we're at a spot where, Maybe the church is, is, uh, ha- has progressed enough that men can actually be men, but now they just don't know how or what that means or they don't have that defined for them. And I think that that's, that's morphing, uh, like throughout all generations because it's like we're fallen. So any idea we have of masculinity is at least going to be tainted by our own sin. Um, other good books, I think Andrew Murray wrote a book on masculinity. There's a, there's a kind of, I love this book. It's a little cheesy, but it's called The Samson Syndrome. He, he goes through the, the life of Samson and says, here's 12 things not to do as a man. Um, so, which is cool because <clears throat> recently someone, recently someone said, my voice is going to be a little so deeper now. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, sorry, but, Greg. But recently someone said <laughs> that you, you can clearly state vision by at least saying what you aren't. And so 
so by reading the Samson syndrome, be like, don't be these things. <laughs> yeah. Was, was pretty cool. Um, that was really helpful. And then I think, uh, you know, anything by C.S. Lewis is good for manhood as well. Mm. You know, mm. don't, Word don't, up. don't be an Edward until after Lion Witch and Wardrobe. Be a Peter usually. Like, yeah. don't be a Eustace until Silver Chair, stuff like that. Yeah. I, I think. Are well, you a Eustace or a Peter? Where's I, that test? I'm an Edmund. You're an Edmund. That's why. <laughs> Jesus had to die for me because <laughs> I am a bitter traitor. Um, well, here's a, so here's why I'm asking. I think there's been a valiant effort to try course correct and get it, but I don't know that we fully captured it. And this is so I was reading. So you have all these guys out there. You have um, um, guys on the left, guys on the right, you know, theologically, politically. You have uh, Anthony Bradley's like <sighs> – is the word trumpeting um, or like lifting? Uh, what would you say? He's like praising. Yeah, heralding? praising, heralding. There, he's heralding Jordan Peterson a little bit. Who there's stuff I feel he goes sideways on, but I, I get some points. And then you see his men uh, chasing after these uh, secular leaders, which makes me think, okay, we might not have fully gotten it yet. Because if they're ch- chasing after everyone except their leaders in the church to tell them. We still haven't fully got, but I think there have been valiant efforts, but I think it's, yeah, a little bit what you both said of, I think there's more of a freedom now, especially since we've been pushing back on American idolatry, nationalistic idolatry. Thank you, Russell Moore. Um, we're more open to be men, but now we need to figure out what does that mean? Because I think yeah. about this, like, all right, you had, you had issues where it was like, okay, the feminine man and okay, gosh, what, you know, that's the problem. So Mars Hill corrects and goes, you know, yell at him, tell him to suck it up, be men. That's what we need to do. And you have some people who course correct and went, oh, stop doing that. Like, just be a nice guy. You don't have to be effeminate, but be really, really nice. Like they say, oh, I want to be a warrior. Oh, be a warrior for God by being a nice warrior and a polite warrior. And, blah. and they're trying to like spiritualize stuff like I want to fight. Oh, you can fight by praying. And, and it's not bad to pray, but neither of them got it because the issue I have with just saying, oh, this is, oh, fighting? Well, here, here's something that's like that, but we're spiritualizing it. No, it's like there is something not just fighting by praying, but fighting of when I see Paul getting beaten, he had to fight to get back up. There had to be a little bit of tenacity, perseverance. There was that strength. So there's that side where I go, no, 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 it's not just about being nice. There needs to be some aggression, but in the right place. Like we're, we have testosterone for a reason. Then the Mark, the Mars, uh, Hill issue I have is, they thought the best way to speak to men is just to yell at them. And yeah, we need to call men to action. I think we need to challenge each other. But if your only volume is yelling, uh, it doesn't deal with the fact of, all right, it may deal with men's sin. It doesn't deal with their shame. It doesn't deal with their inadequacies. It doesn't deal with the fact that maybe not all men aren't serving at the church because they're these defiant, just stupid sinners and they just need someone to kick them in the butt. Maybe some of them are really, really broken and injured. Right. To the guy who's been molested, just yelling at him, it really doesn't do crap. He goes, everyone's yelled at me. Everyone's told me I'm scum. It's like, scum, get up and do it. I already think I'm scum. He needs healing. And yelling, all right, if you already have them, they're built up, they're leaders, and now you're like, all right, I want to lovingly challenge you and move on. Fine, like to keep growing and push forward. But you don't start that. If they're broken and damaged, you don't start with, all right, yell and challenge them. No, you're sending them in the battle wounded, uh, fearful, doubting, insecure, not even sure how to use their weapon. I'm okay with challenging guys at a certain point when they're healthy, they're thriving, and, you know, the, the, okay, you're leading. All right, we need to push each other. I'm not okay with doing that when the guy comes up and goes, my wife just cheated on me. Oh, well, suck it up. You know, man up. It's like it doesn't address their shame. And I feel like we need to look at men holistically. Okay, what about the shame they feel that they didn't live up to American dream? There's cultural problems. What about the wounds of their father, which John Eldridge talked about, but that was one of the main things he talked about, nothing else. What about they're dealing with same-sex attraction? You yelling at them doesn't deal with that. What about them feeling like there was this performance-driven thing in our culture and they can never measure up to it? So now they're lost, shameful, and broken, and the options we give them is either yell at them to suck it up, and they don't know what that means. They don't know how to suck it up. Or give in to them and say, well, let's compromise. Just be really nice. As opposed to this, it's like, and Jim and Rich talk about this, who I love. Like, yeah, sin is a corrupter, but it's not all men are. 
we have dignity and worth. We're made in the image of God. We're made after him with the capability by spirit to do. I'm not saying we're like this on our own, but to do noble things, holy things, obedient things, and to not measure it by, well, have you done this, this, and this, but more of where's your character? Where's your health? Where are your motives? Where's your heart? Where's your direction? You know, and even that tenacity issue of not just like, okay, can you, do you know us theologically? No, I want to know. I think part of a man is being, you get up, you're exhausted. Your marriage is hard. You want to give up. You don't know if you can lead your kids. And yet you still, and this is this toughness. This is part of fighting. Fighting isn't just throwing a punch. It's that fire inside of, I want to quit and I feel beat down and you will go against that and still go against that pain and keep going. Like to tell me Paul beat half to death and it was by spirit, but to get back up didn't take some toughness, some strength. Like yeah. we need endure. It talks about running the race till the end. We need that. Women, I mean, we can talk about that with women. That's a whole nother thing, but I'm just talking to our wheelhouse. I think we need to meet men holistically because all we've offered is, well, let's talk about your sin. All right, well, that's an aspect. Well, let's talk about you being nice. All right, that's an aspect. What about holistically looking about? No. What does it mean to be a man in the full spectrum living in society and helping human flourishing? And the church, I feel like we need to really come together with that. Because I saw it. There was guys who, you know, Driscoll would yell out on video and they go, well, I already know I'm a piece of crap. It literally did nothing. And there were some guys who they loved it. Well, guess what? They were already leaders. They wanted a kick in the butt. Or they were guys I knew who were ex-military. That was their language. I want a church where the guy who's quiet, shy, um, the guy who's struggling with same-sex attraction, the guy who's overly violent, the guy who's overly passive, all of them can come together. And it's a gospel for them, for everyone. And to come together and yeah. say, all right, what is a real man? And how do we love each other even when we don't measure up to that? So I'm trying to think of holistically where we at. And I don't know that we're there yet. I Something just... happened during that Mars Hill period um, where everybody was. Does that make was... sense? Absolutely. Okay. I, I'm following you. Like you said, um, there's like Driscoll's approach. Um, everybody would lump the quiet, quiet man or the shy man or just the man who's not confrontational. Uh, everybody would characterize him as passive passivity being a sin weak he's not yeah yeah or like somebody who is effeminate in some ways or actually i don't even know if that's an appropriate label but look at jacob and esau jacob liked to stay home and cook and sew or whatever esau liked to hunt and from our standards from our driscollian standards we would say yeah jacob's a loser mama's boy i think I think Driscoll probably even said that at one point. He did. And then Esau is like the tough man's man who's hairy. But God loved Jacob. And Esau was impulsive and made stupid decisions. Do we bring that up? Exactly. He's all, I'm selling my birthright. Oh, what was it for gold? Food. And so there are things like that are men's. (laughs) That's right. There are things that are masculine characteristics that every man, whether you're a shy man or an aggressive man or a, UFC fighter or interior decorator or whatever, uh, there's characteristics I think that we're created with that are, that are something that the gospel affirms and the gospel redeems. Like, like you said earlier, fighting. Like Paul, it was a fight for him to get up after he got, um, beaten half to death. It was a fight for him to do that. And he fought for the thing. I can think of many examples when men, even Jacob, fight on on behalf of uh i don't want to say morality but on behalf of what their ideology was at the time based on encountering the living god and that's a good quality but fighting doesn't always mean you're punching somebody or fighting doesn't always mean you're being aggressive sometimes fighting is uh gavin looks like he really wants to say something sometimes fighting is is something that um uh driscoll would call is being passive go ahead gavin i mean jacob Beyond that, like one passage says that he prefers to stay in tents and, and he's a good cook. Uh, but then when he meets Rachel, he he lifts off the stone cover of a well. Yeah. That's right. Right. So, you know, he likes to stick around inside, but but he's a beast. Second, we give Esau a lot of crap. 
we don't know how good that soup was. <laughs> like that's a good point. We've seen we've seen if the you Simpsons. Had some cooking. Like and just for our, our younger viewers, the Simpsons is a syndicated <laughs> comedy show that's a cartoon on on Fox. It's still running. Yeah. Um, but you should go watch the first ten seasons. What, what do you think about this? Is what I want to be careful of ascribing standards for what it means to be a man that are hundred percent cultural, like this, like um, men don't cry. And I go, really? Black and white, absolute men don't cry. Yep, they don't cry. I go, so David's not a man. Nope, Jesus isn't a man. Nope. As opposed to nuancing, like, well, how about this? We weep, we are broken, we lament when it's you know useful. We're not emotionally manipulative. We uh I don't think we should call men to pout. I don't think we should call men to fall apart at the first sign of conflict, but there are appropriate times to lament, to fall apart, to be broken before God. And how about we say that and say, men don't cry. Really? Uh, and and the, I heard a guy say, yeah, that's almost sinful. I go, so cheat. I mean, you have to say, fine, Jesus sinned. That is ridiculous. No, there's a time. And I worry about that because I don't see the Bible saying men all have to care about cars. Men all have to be in sports. And yet we go, well, come on, man. No, don't come on. Don't pull this crap of saying, well, this is a standard for men. And that's your opinion. And that's so American. If you like, like I like sports, cool. But to put that up there, a guy go, you're putting a barrier there where a guy goes, well, if I don't like sports, I really am a guy who likes going to college, reading. Like I, I love knowledge. That's my main focus. You're, you're adding something versus no. Let's look at the character traits of, are they a peacemaker? Uh, what about the Beatitudes? I feel like we get ample example. How did the church planners act? How did Jesus act? How did David, when he wasn't murdering people, act like there's enough examples and yet we go or when he was yeah or when he was like there's ample examples i feel like we compile and go here are the traits of what we see with man and we go well men don't cry like men don't i heard this men don't wear a color purple i was like really no man in the biblical history in the new old testament wore purple yeah if they did they were in sin really let's it's stuff like that man it's like and i know we can have cultural awareness but I think the church now is in a place where open, where men can be men, but let's figure out what that means. Let's talk, let's not just, well, yell up, hey, suck it up, punch a guy in the arm. You know what? I think like, that, what you're saying right now, that question or the, the desire for a definition of what masculine means is, um, explains Jordan Peterson's popularity and, and, and maybe a few other modern social media it. prophets. I yeah, don't agree saying, with the guy on law stuff, but exactly. There's they're providing, they're seeking for that. Yeah, exactly. So, People are desperate for that and he's giving them an answer, whether it is or isn't wrong. And I mean, it's, it's refreshing that he's like a clinical psychologist, psychiatrist. I don't know. I thought it was psychology. And he's, so he's an expert essentially in this field. And we're hearing things straight from the expert. Usually when you hear something from a college professor, they're not the expert, but they learn from an expert. Or when you hear something in a book, it's not the expert, but it's somebody who studied the expert. But it's you're actually hearing an expert, which is, like, refreshing. And so I think that explains his popularity. But like you said, like, evolutionary psychology explains a lot. And I understand, like, why people gravitate towards seeing people through that. it's still not the Bible. But exactly. It's still not, like actually um truth and, and i think too because um off air we had a lively conversation about uh, already about complementarian and, and stuff and uh one thing you lose and you have to be really careful on with the discussion of masculinity is not assigning a, a gender to something that belongs to male and female in the image of god um yep and so uh, like cultiv- cultivation. Um, like w- when I do um premarital with with people, um, probably we're we're just in Genesis two and three for like six weeks. Um, because we're like, okay, this is pre separation of peoples. Like this is the the most universal truths about humanity are probably in these passages right here. And you know, f- for a while I was like, well, well, Adam's a cultivator, but so is Eve. Um, sure. Yeah. Like they, they just have in Genesis, they have different roles in cultivation, but they're both cultivators. Um, or, you know, equality before God or able to connect with God. Um, or how, um, you know, like a lot of the sins listed, 
Like, there are some sins in Scripture that are listed specifically for men and women because there happens to be a general proclivity towards, you know, that sin for that gender. But in general, the sins are about the same. Um, and so, and, and even, like, there's some deference to say, if you read Scripture, you almost get the impression of, hmm, it seems like men find an easier time to sin than even ladies do. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you even see that in Titus, where Titus is just speaking highly, be, you know, teach the old men to do this and teach the old women to do this and teach the young women to do this. And the young men, I want them to be self-controlled. Next section. It's like, whoa, high value towards young men. Um, yeah, but, really. you know, the older I get, not criticizing young men around me, looking back at my own youth, sometimes I'm like, how am I alive? How yeah. do I have a beautiful wife? Like, how like, am I in the position where I'm in? First off, by the grace of God, and especially because I shouldn't even belong here. And, and the tricky thing about that whole masculine thing is, if you run into scripture and you see it affirming what you're doing all the time, something is deeply wrong. Um, <laughs> like, because, you know, whoops. Yeah. Because, like, one of the hardest things for a pastor to read, like, you brought up the Driscoll thing where he yelled and, you know, Justin Anderson has a really good uh, talk about, like, how to preach. And he says, you get to do that maybe once in your career. Um, right. But, like, every every leader, I think, saw that as, like, oh, like, there was something in us, the flesh, that was, like, there are days that I want to do that. But then we're confronted with what Paul says, not only in, in Timothy, but Titus, where he says, be patient with them all. Mm. He says, um, like, help the sick, admonish the idle. Um be patient with them all. And that's sometimes, you know, like when we have a friend who's in sin or there's something we've got to confront in our family or in our own life, sometimes we just have to take a couple of deep breaths to remember Christ was patient with me. I'm called to be patient. Um, if I, such were some of you. Yeah. yeah. If, if I can't be patient right now, I need to stay off the phone. I need to stay off the email. And, and you know, masculinity, I think too, we've got a couple of this weird crisis about masculinity with adolescence. Mm-hmm. Like you're just trying to prove yourself and the healthier you get when you get older, it like in theory, you should become more and more comfortable with like, I am who I am. Um, you know, my two free times, if I'm not playing with the kids are, I don't know if I've played more than three other video games besides Skyrim since 2011. <laughs> um, I love that game. Attaboy. And, and uh, I build Lego sets with micro blocks. They're like, ridiculously expensive by the way if any microblock manufacturer gets a hold of this um like can you sponsored send me by some microblocks microblocks sponsored i gotta by say i think like you were saying like people heard driscoll yell or people heard justin anderson say you could yell once and and I think that when's my time? <laughs> time's got, up. Got one. I've already done that. I think I that, do it equally. But that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I yell at women as well. No, uh, I think that men are sick of the, and this is an American thing. I'm sure men are sick of the everybody loves Raymond. Oh, thank model you. where it's stupid like stupid goofball husband. The husband's an idiot. He just wants to play golf and have sex, and the women are naggy and and smarter. And yeah. But they don't want to have sex. And when will Raymond just get that sex isn't that important and golf isn't that important? And and people get tired of that. And I'm tired of that. I'm tired of like thinking that's how it's supposed to be. But doesn't that just go to show how much? the model for masculinity in the church has been adopted by culture because that doesn't come from the Bible. You never get that type of role um, set forth in the Bible, but somehow it made its way into the church. Where does that come from? It comes from culture. And that, I think that's like a sad, depressing fact that we have based everything off of that. What, what about what you said with, sorry, go ahead, finish. I no, have, I'm finished. Are you? I, or are I'm you finished. just enabling me? I have a segue, but he, go ahead. It's a deep moment. With what you right said here. with video games. I heard, oh, you're all, oh, Call of Duty, it's where you're sitting on the couch playing video games. I'm like, oh, really? You want to talk about the four-hour sports game you watch, ignoring your wife? And they go, but I'm hanging out with guys. No, 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 I've been there. It's not, it's not like soul care. You're sitting there talking, some of you drink too much, Versus if I come home and I don't even have a game system, but if I come to Sean's house and he says, Hey, my wife's not home yet to make, you know, to help me with dinner. You want to play video games for 30 minutes? 
we're actually working towards a goal, playing, having fun, talking while we're doing it. But you think somehow that's less holy. But you can watch a guy play sports for four hours and go, well, it's different. It's camaraderie and, you know, teamwork. Oh, for them, not for you. You're not on the field. You're sitting on your couch. And let's be honest about it. Okay, you may think it's silly. I want to play a game where I can ride a dragon. Well, I can't do that in real life. Guess what you're watching? And break it down. And this is for me. I'm a sports fan. You are watching grown men who said, hey, let's get in colorful outfits. We're going to take this leather material. And I bet I can take the leather material past these imaginary lines more times than you can. And to try to stop me, hit me. And we'll wear plastic helmets. And we'll go back and forth on the field and try to get these imaginary points. And whoever wins goes to a big bowl where we spend millions of dollars. And you'll have another costume or outfit of a, of an animal or some offensive team name. And we'll do it again. You throw leather. I pick up the leather material, run past these imaginary lines. You run past imaginary lines and see who can do it the most times. And we go, how noble. But if I want to shoot Nazis on a game, you go, that's unacceptable. You know what? Like, and, and part of the reason is, oh, oh, if you play Call of Duty, why don't you just go join the military? All right. Where can I go find a dragon genius? Where can I go this find seventh grade Seth? Come on. And, and they're like, and no joke. They go, well, why don't you read a book about it? fine? Read a book about football. Stop sure. watching it. Yeah. Well, if it's just as good, it is a way to just goof off for a little bit. And the and that's not from the Bible. That's from this bro ethic of, oh, stupid guys playing, you know, video games. Dude, half the guys saying that you didn't play football in high school. You, you look in my shape, which is not that great. <laughs> You've never done anything sports wise. And you go, well, this is holy. This isn't garbage. That is cultural. That is this frat boy attitude and bringing it in church and calling it holy. And both can be idolatry. I can watch sports too much and ignore my family, and I can pour my whole life into video games and not talk to my kids. Yep. Or it is even the same. It can yep. be idolatry it's either idolatry. way. It's ridiculous. Even like our current standard for manliness is like the Ron Swanson type of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I build stuff and I work. Yeah. And I work hard and all this other stuff is and unacceptable. And he doesn't show emotion. And it's, and he doesn't show emotion and, and eats a lot. So and being eats libertarian, a lot that's what, yeah. that's what, and I'm that's saying. great. And I think Ron Swanson's like one of the best characters, uh, I've ever watched, but I know guys who do woodworking and they yeah. do woodworking to spite time with their family. They don't want to be around them yeah. or they work so and hard. Some guys don't. Some guys, it's not. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Some yes. guys work so hard. I know a guy who owns his own business and he works so hard, but yeah. he and, doesn't spend time with his family. And I, and I think too, like if there's a young guy watching this, like, I'm sorry that there's no new advice, but, but it's all the problem is ultimately idolatry. Like, yeah. and stop masturbating. <laughs> well, more than that, stop like, fiddling with your look at, look at, look at the, look at the law of God. Like, you know, walk in the spirit, repent. Like I, Indiana Jones and the last crusade is accurate. Like the part where he's muttering the pentant man will pass. And then the blade slices like kneel before God. And then he rolls. That's true. Like there's like metaphorically, we have rolls. There, there's a moment that we all have to do that. Like that God like doesn't abide. He doesn't stick around with people who aren't humble. Like I was mm. reading the Psalm and mm. it says that he will not, he will not be in the presence of those who boast. Oh, so we got to kneel. We got to repent of our idolatry and just walk in Christ. Like, I have that's, a, the, that's the best all men can do. And I have women. a question for you both. Um, actually, I would butts. say this in response to that. No men. Questions. If you're a young man and you're looking on how to become a real man and you're confused about the masculinity thing. Um, I would say go find out what Joel Osteen's doing. He's, he's a great example of masculinity. Um, he stands up she's for what's right. right. But he doesn't I sell mean, out for, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, she's okay. Here's my all question. Gu- all for you guys. guys find a guy that's 10 years older than you. That's the best. You can yeah. Find. Just off the street. You're 10, <laughs> off the just street. Find some guys. You look fun. <laughs> okay. You guys, especially the one in vans. The listeners don't know the shoes. <laughs> no, the shoes vans. Yes, uh, Seth and Gavin had a have had a long-standing feud. Actually, I'm surprised they're actually in the same studio right now, and they're playing it off quite well. The fact that they're uh, being uh, what's the word? Amicable, amiable, amable, amicable, amicable with Civil, each other. Charitable. But, insatiable, um, merciless. 
And they're even pastors of the same church, but I have to say, uh, this is something that has the same network. almost divided our church before, and it's something that Gavin and, and Seth are completely at odds oh, with each other about. Geez. And it's this. Gavin is an Iron Man guy, I and Seth with Cap. And the room now, goes cold. <laughs> and, and here's, here's, here's my some... question for Gavin. Who do you think you are? <laughs> no, please defend Iron All Man. Right. Where so do you get we, off? <laughs> we, need to, we need to give a, a tiny bit of context to Yeah, you should do So that. Seth is currently winning this argument. Like, that needs to be just clearly stated. I um, am? So it's, a, it's been an eight-year argument, I think. Well, but, but then two years ago, in the midst of the political stuff... You know, me and Seth decided to talk about on Facebook what really matters, and that was Iron Man versus Captain America. Mm-hmm. So right. we debated Stormwatch. this, and, and he was doing pretty good. I feel like I did pretty well for Iron Man, um, all things considered. But here's so here's a couple of things. I, I have to be for Iron Man. My last name is Jarvis. Um, That's a good and, point. And now people hear my last name, and, and they're like, wow, you're a Marvel hero. You're Vision. <laughs> and I'm like, I am. Uh, you can tell you don't get this physique overnight. That's um, true. Unless your vision. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> where is the drum roll? <laughs> to vision. Um, but then, uh, something has happened recently that may invalidate many of the arguments that you made for Captain America. It's about him being a Nazi. And it's about him being a Nazi. <laughs> did you see the end of it? I did see the end of it. It, it took care of all of it because they went, oh, just kidding. That was a bad version of him in the reality. What was it? The, um, cosmic cube. The, the cosmic cube goes, well, here's the real Steve Rogers and brings him back and they copped out. It was a cop out. It was a cop out. Oh, it was totally. bad writing and trying From to From the beginning, they hands. go, no, he's a fascist all along. And I was like, I denounce you. And then they go, oh, just kidding. Uh, here's the real guy. I'm all, that's weird. That doesn't add up with the rest of what you've said for five months. But. Now, so with that, like, that that's a that's an important point that I agree with that that Captain America is not a fascist, uh, but it, it brings up an interesting question: if the majority of Iron Man's crimes were committed after he was subjected to some form of brain control, then by logic, you would either have to excuse some of those things, or not forgive Captain America for his sins. As a Hydra agent. So if I don't forgive Captain America, Iron Man's still wrong. That's all I need to hear. Is that what I'm <laughs> he's, But he's not as wrong as you had previously said. Because you, if I remember correctly, you're currently up by eight points. And, and I, How do you remember this? <laughs> and I, I have a good memory when it's written down. Anything else, it sucks. But. Gavin actually cuts it into his thigh. <laughs> the so, scoreboard. Eight. Just the number eight. <laughs> eight, I have to win. <laughs> If, let me ask you this, if tomorrow they had Iron Man do all these awful things and then eight episodes later they go, just kidding, it was Doctor Doom, is that credited to Tony Stark? You mean, uh, uh, yeah, Iron Man? Uh, And they go, oh, it was Doctor Doom the whole time, it wasn't really Tony Stark, is that credited to him? It depends. You see, it depends on what happened. And in this situation, I think that... Like one or the other. So I'm not, and, and here's the thing. I've come with an olive branch that I'm willing to, to see that mm, I've lost the flawless. argument, but not by eight points because I'm tired mm, of carving eight into my thigh. Um, Gavin, like, did you read Civil War 2? Uh, I, I did not. Um, and, and, and that's a big deal because of what happened. So Tony Stark is actually. The, probably the most redeemable influence in Civil yeah. War Two. He wasn't as bad in it. No, he. There was a lot of stuff where I was like, Carol Danvers, what the heck are you doing? Yeah, it was almost like he had learned from previous mistakes. From- he says in, but here's what he says, and this is why this is good for Gavin. Captain America says, "Should we really do this?" He goes, "Hey, I've learned my lesson in trying to have a moral argument against Captain America. You always lose that one." <laughs> right, when he that's said true. That, that's Tony Stark going. <laughs> See, I'm sorry, but he goes, "I was wrong." Right. Because, I, because no, no, keep going because I have an answer. Yeah, keep going. The argument isn't the argument, and and again for for our, our listeners, the argument isn't about who is the stronger superhero. It's no, it's who yeah. is uh, Iron Man of greater character. Nukes. I can't keep up. With Who's that. less of a jerk? Yeah, basically. And there were some points that's like there are some times that the cap has not been perfect. Um, 
But yeah. Yeah. That's true. So. Well, here's the thing. So I can go two ways with this. Either It depends what canon I accept. Like, if you go, hey, right. they're saying this wasn't really him. It's an imposter. It's a manifestation of the cosmic cube. And they say, no, Steve Rogers is completely innocent. He didn't do any of this. I can kind of cop out with that and go, well, he didn't do any of this. It's hard, though, because the writing was so bad, so terrible, where even at the end they say it wasn't really him all along. All, but two issues again, you had evidence before us that it was him all along. So let's say this. If it wasn't him all along, I stand by it of like, no, he if, if that was an imposter, I'm going to credit that to him. Just like when Doom, he did impersonate Iron Man. But I am standing by that they, in their ignorance, said Captain America is a fascist. And if he is a fascist, I still think Tony Stark is a D-bag, but he's not as much of one. Because yeah. here's the thing. Captain America was a fascist and did evil things. Okay? Yeah, I, I'll accept that. I could cop out because they are saying now it wasn't him. They're saying no, it wasn't Steve Rogers. But even if he was, you have to go, okay, he was a fascist for four months. Tony Stark blew up a planet with women and children. Easily, they said three billion people. So he's not as bad, but there's even a website if you want to go to. It says all the times Tony Stark was a jerk. It says a different <laughs> word. It talks about he slept with Hank Pym's ex-wife when he was having a nervous breakdown. Yeah, and well, I, I see to that point. <laughs> it was because there was. So, yeah, I'll say this. I will agree with you. If you take into account Secret War, which I still, dude, worst rent. They had Magneto, a Holocaust survivor, and they changed it. But for an issue, he's defending this. And uh, Scarlet Witch, who's Magdi, I think, M-A-G-D-I. They're, so they're a spinoff of, I'm not sure if this is an offensive term, but the gypsy culture, which were persecuted by Nazis. And they had her helping. There, there's like all these people where you're like, Dude, or the fact they had Magneto look like the bad guy when he killed Red Skull, who was a Nazi and murdered Jews, so the victim looks like the bad guy. Mm-hmm. So it's terrible writing, but I do think, yeah, you can make the point, Tony Stark is not as terrible, especially with Civil War Two. He actually is more reasonable, which, once again, this drives me nuts with the writing. Captain Marvel went from the reasonable, hey guys, we're on the same team, to, dude, she went off the rails. She put him in a coma, she did some stuff where I'm going... Are you nuts? And they say it was from Rhodey dying, but she's had people die around her before, and she they made her go off. The, the sequel rail. is rarely. I mean, that was a straight to Dude, DVD sequel. Like, like she had, yeah. she saw a whole team die before and didn't do that. Rhodey dies. She put Iron Man in a coma. Wasn't stopping. Was going after Kit. Dude, I yeah. people have complained the that the, the the first Civil War people were way out of character. Dude. But not even close to as much as Civil War Avengers, II. yeah. So, so if you think Civil War One took him out of character, <laughs> Civil War Two, there was times I'm like, who are you? Like, what? There was just some arguments where I'm like, you are forcing it that you want Tony Stark to die. I even was like, I almost see him as a human when you're doing this. Like, the thing is, I really do like the story of both of them. I like the I just story. It's just they, a characterization. Yeah, somewhere. it was like just a reach. Yeah, it was just a reach to say. We have these two opposing views, and we're going to put these characters as people spearheading those views. And I'm like, I don't know that you kind of need a new character for some of these. Dude, they they had all right. Here's exam- two examples. So Civil War one, Bill Foster gets killed, and Avengers used to say, even though they never follow this, they're like, we never kill. <laughs> Cap confronts him and said, Tony Stark said, hey, mistakes were made. He goes. Well, if he was a criminal, a cop would have shot him. He goes, what? Is it any less wrong when a cop shoots some guy in the street? And I was like, what? They've never used that as an argument. They've never said that was okay. Then uh, Time Runs Out. Time Runs Out was the one. Sunspot Captain America says, help us find the Illuminati. They've blown up a plan. He goes, I don't care what they've done. I'm not going to hunt my friends. Right. What? Right. So if they've raped and murdered people, you're not going to hunt. So you're a hypocrite because you say, I take down the bad guys when I don't know them. And it was such... It was so badly written because this is the sunspot who fought Cable and attacked him for mistreating Cannonball for one issue in a fight. He just fought dirty. Right. And this guy won't hunt them down for planet side. Like, how do you say that when you just destroy a planet? That's not genocide. It'd be, I mean, terracide, terracide, I guess. But is Earth just called Terrans? I think only Earth is called Terrans. I just thought 
Terra Terra side. It was sunspot. You went, what? And there was no explanation. It went to the next panel. Yeah. It's just, so I think the plots were great. The characterization was just off. But at the same time, time runs out is where some of the most egregious things morally came up with Iron Man. So totally. Um, Uh, so if you, if you were able to concede, okay, maybe during that one period of time where he was under, under that influence, I'm willing to concede that Iron Man is not better than Captain America morally. So. Did What's you the read point? Superior Iron Man? Uh, I, I browsed through it, but... He offered Daredevil his sight, and when Daredevil called him on his corruption, he took it away again to be cruel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and you see, sorry, like, those things... <laughs> Yeah, and so I think I think that if so. You're what's the point to, spread here? Oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I think the point I would give the point spread because I somehow got. I'm Iron only Man. winning. By I got one Iron point. Man up to zero, which is crazy. So I would say four zip. Iron Man. Captain no, one America. to zero. I'm only winning by one point. Oh, we. we I just, will concede to that. I'm only winning by one point. Yeah, but he's winning. His, Clearly, is, Captain America is winning. This is historic. You guys need to stop watching the Olympics and start turning on this podcast because this is a. This is an amazing. This is the end of an eight-year struggle here. Hashtag the new Sokovia. One zero. So Tony Stark is a worse person than than Captain America, but by one point. One point through debate. Can, can we talk about how good? Wait, we can't because you've you haven't seen Black Panther yet. Or have you I've seen, seen it? Black Panther. Oh my gosh, it was a so great good, movie. beautiful. The cut. Co- I thought colors, dude. Uh, when he that it. movie colors. Right, blue and when red. he goes into a oh, different oh. realm <laughs> and you see the purple and blue in the sky, yeah, how the Panthers are designed, the costume, even when they're fighting and you see them moving and striking with the spears and shield, dude, uh, the music and even making me feel an ounce of sympathy for the villain. Yes. Of see how often have we seen a villain weeping? When they're losing of like, no, I'm actually like crying over this. I'm heartbroken. I go, oh, you're actually human. Right. Like, oh man. Can I, uh, I watched it yesterday. Dang. And uh, I had my wife on my left side and a guy didn't know who was a black guy on my right side. And, uh, it was just crazy watching it through both of these people on either side. My wife cried at the, the Wakanda guard. Um, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. Just being like strong females that she thought, and I agree with her, were done right. It's not like just really this attempt to create a strong female. Yeah, Yeah, they were just like literally, it wasn't like this caricature of a strong female either, or even like a militantly uh, feminist strong character. It was just like these are strong women. But they still emote. They still have feminine qualities. But they're they're strong and they're living out brilliant their integrity, femininity. brave. Right. Yeah, it was so great. And then on the other side, this guy, uh, this black guy who I talked to after the movie, he was just holding his fist next to his heart, like kind of like a Black Panther, Black Power fist. And I was just like, dude, this movie is like affecting this guy in ways that I can never even understand. And I was just like, that's cool. And then my own thing, um, it's kind of like I said about Luke Cage. I just experienced a different culture, and it's so strange and new to me uh, that I don't know how I feel about it, but I, I know that I liked it. And Rhinos seeing just with like, armor. Oh, yeah, rhinos with armor. Seeing the different tribes and seeing the honor that the one tribe had. Even though that one tribe was outcast, they Even still they lost. Yeah, yeah, they still upheld that honor. We're vegetarians, and seeing yeah, <laughs> and seeing also how the Wakanda guard even at one point says it's our job to uphold this regal position, but once the character, uh, once our whatever our standard is for the character of this king. Uh, falls below this line, then we, we no longer support that. And all of the awesome parallels to current Trump's America, I just found hilarious and enjoyable. They were the isolationist. Um, and think of it, one of the villains, his issue was you have the technology and power to stop oppression and we're all suffering and you don't want to go out in the world. You don't want to share it. And well, but we're good people. You killed my dad. Well, and there's all there's right. all these layers to it. Mm, even so, good. And, and the fact that think of it, he wants their technology, 
but he even is willing to burn their old traditions to tear it down. Because, and think of this, where oppressed people are ignored or angry people are ignored, if someone rises up, no matter how crazy the rhetoric, if they say, I'm going to do this and I'll throw a Molotov cocktail in the face of the people who have made you mad, they will put him in power. No matter what he, even if he's saying stuff that's nuts, even if he's saying stuff that's offensive, because if they've been ignored and you're that mad, bitterness and anger isn't always logical. All you want is a physical manifestation of a fist that you want to throw into that authority's face. Oh, man. And he comes in and they don't care how he killed this so-and-so, the bad guy. They don't care, oh, how did he even get past our defenses? They're not asking basic questions of how he got there. All they know is they're leer them down. They feel ignored. He's given a voice. And no matter how crazy and violent he is, he takes his place. And with the resounding support, people, there's a certain tribe specifically that's like, we're immediately loyal and we've known you a day. Mm-hmm. Bitterness and anger, we keep trying, you know, make it logical. It doesn't have to be logical. You just want, you just want to make a fist and slam it into the face of those who you have an issue with. And he rose up in the midst of this. And we see in the rest of the movie the consequences of when you go, okay, well, you know, uh, we don't have to worry about these people. We'll ignore them. Look what the consequences were. It's you let people down enough. Eventually they go, I don't care who I support. Let's say vote for. I don't care who I vote for as long as they're not you and they're a right. kick in your teeth. Oh, I just so want good. something. It, it's worth watching, too, because, you know, in high school you learn all the world history and U.S. history and all this. And then, you know, if you get a chance to either go into college for history or you get the history channel – um, you all of a sudden realize, uh, that there's something outside of the Western civilization. Mm-hmm. So back in, you know, back in the 1400s or, you know, earlier, like, let's not get technical. Morgan, if you're listening, like, thank you for your technicals. You are the best history teacher. Um, but, you know, in 1492, oh, the, the Western hemisphere has been discovered. But there's a degree where now as a Western hemisphere, we need to discover the Eastern hemisphere. Right. And for that matter, the Southern, the Southern half of the, the world. And, the 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 thing that stood out to me the most in black culture from like a, a imperceptible thing was this is not a movie filmed from a guilt culture perspective it's a movie filmed from an honor shame perspective and so yeah, the, there totally. are there are decisions and things that happen in black panther that that like a an american would not do because this is a guilt driven culture but it makes 100% uh sense to the majority of the rest of the world because it's an honor shame culture and that is a trip to, to be watch. a good man and a good king he even yeah. brings up he's like it's hard to be a good man and a good king and, and a good king uh when i when remember when we were kids the hutu tutsi stuff was going on yeah and i was just always like i did feel and part of this was maybe my natural perception as a child and part of it was maybe the racism that i inherited as an american but i was like what is wrong with these people how can how can people do this type of stuff? How are people this uncivilized? And honestly, it was very therapeutic because Black Panther, and I know it's a comic book movie and everything, but literally it it's showed more me. Than that now. It's, oh, it's definitely it's more, than, more that. than that. It showed me like how this kind of tribal uh equality and battling and um like collusion and all these weird things like work to a point where I understood why like something is an honorable or dishonorable thing to do and why there is this chasm in between tribes compared to like, I think I watched hotel Rwanda and that was a good movie, but I didn't get, I didn't understand it. I just thought both these tribes are bad. Right. And I didn't understand it. Like black Panther really did open this up for me. And I thought that was a very valuable thing to have in my lifetime. And there's a, and there's a, there's two big moments. And, and again, if you're on spoiler watch, I'm going to do my best, but there's a big moment where, um, somebody's loyalties are tested and you're like, well, obviously they're going to go with the, the, the good guy. And they're like, no, right. Like, right. That's not like, that's not how loyalty works. And, and you watch it and you're like, what? I, I didn't expect that. And the second thing is there is a scene where there's a, a almost, almost comical, uh, stare down between two close people. And, and if it was a guilt culture sort of movie, you'd be like, well, of course, um, they're going to go for the friendship over the, the tension. But because it's an honor shame culture, 
I think that different people, uh oh, uh, different people, sorry, a screen went off and I'm like, oh no, um, like that, that in an honor shame type movie, there probably was a real tension of whether that fight was going to escalate at that moment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I'm referring to the one towards the end of the movie that ends up being, being a big closer. And, and you know, like there's critics are saying this is too much action and too short of a period of time. But honestly, I almost love that because the Marvel movies are getting so long. It was kind of refreshing to be like, Oh shoot, this is the final scene. Like, you know, how a guy who said one of the reviewers on Giddy he goes, why was there barely any action in this film? I went, what? What? And I He's remember become thinking, desensitized to action. Yeah, because I was like, he said that while playing Krav Maga yeah. in his front. Afterwards, yard. <laughs> he's all Garfield, ninety nine percent on Ron Tomatoes. <laughs> Fresh. Because seriously, that was his issue. Star I remember, Wars Eight is a revelation. I remember reading it, going, "Not enough." Because I read that before a movie, and I saw a movie. I go, "Dude, I felt like it was perfect." Like he movie. said, he said there was little to none action. I go, "What?" Dude, there was rhinos with armor. How often? That's like snakes on a plane. How often do you see that? So good. Okay. He just didn't know what plot was. All right. I we only got another 50 minutes left, guys. Come on. All right, <laughs> no, we're this wrapping up. this up. We have two. I have two more questions. Elephant in the room.com. It's about my weight gain. <laughs> Sponsored by Mega Blocks, Little Blocks, Micro Blocks. The, the best is Nano Blocks. Nano Blocks. But Laws Blocks makes some pretty good blocks, too. Yeah, they're going to send us some blocks that we'll that get would to be Gavin awesome. probably. We would do a um, podcast sponsored by Kirk blocks. Cameron's new movie, Pretty Good. Oh, what is his That's new movie going to be called again? Pretty Good. He has another movie coming yeah, out. Yeah, I sent you. Remember, I sent you the trailer. Oh, that! Oh, it's about like smartphones and how they make you yeah. liberal. Is that <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. We need to have you back, Gavin. I want to talk about demonic and or angelic experiences. Or ghosts or whatever. Ah. But that'll be a whole nother podcast. So I have to end it with this. And I'm glad that you guys came to an agreement. And now there's nothing that could possibly separate you two in opinion again. Gavin, cake or pie? I'm giving it to cake. Get behind me, Jarvis. Who do you (laughs) take your unity and shove it, Sean? (laughs) When did the spirit leave me and go to your voice, you bewildered prophet? (laughs) That's a good reference, by the way. You're not talking about cheesecake, are you? Because we've already cheesecake's not cake. That's right. That is correct. Not not the same category. Do you like cheesecake? Cheesecake's good. Really good. Oh, so you're one of those fence walkers. You'd rather have a slice (laughs) of cake. Than a slice of pie. Almost always. No. I, I, I was worried because you're like, oh, this will be shot. fast. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I and and some people, because I've had this conversation with a few people, they've tried to counsel me and like walk me to the path of, of repentance. And There's a camp um, you can go to that'll <laughs> it was a camp. reform you. <laughs> yeah, and, and they were like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And, and probably the truest thing is maybe I just haven't ever had really good pie. Um, but I would, I would pick cake. And so like, what's your favorite cake then? I make a really good, uh, bunt cake. That's maple pecan espresso. It's Is it really good. Moist. It's moist, <laughs> moist, moist, moist. Is it moist? Like cheesecake? It's, it's close. It's really close, but, it, but it's bread. I mean, it's just, it's soaked up all that maple. It's just basically your mind is basically by the shire sitting by the right halfling now. weed. Scripture says not to not to let a root of bitterness planted. He's already oh, a full garden. <laughs> That's weird because literally, I think we've had five, maybe six guests. If you add us, we let's say had... eight, eight out of eight people. Well, here's the thing: the weird there. thing was Ryan Smith. I think was pie. But he also supported crime. He, he supported crime, uh, communism. He said Trump would bring the second era, pacifism. Uh, he hates guns, and he yeah. said um, Tyler was pro cake, but that's flag. because he thought, oh yeah, Ryan Smith. Did Ryan say Smith hates the flag. He kneels for the national anthem. No, he didn't. He Tyler thought we were too hard on cake, but then he realized tiramisu is not a cake, and yeah. so he well, relented. His words Damn, were, t- "I think oh. you guys are too hard on cake, but I'm going with pie." Yes. Um, so I will say, 
Shay's pie. I didn't have an answer to Sean's question. Keep going, Gavin. My, my favorite, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite pie is pecan pie. Um, but if you put pecan pie next to a really good cake, I think it'd be like 50-50. So I'm going to have to go with cake just because. 50-50. Yeah. But you're going to go with cake just to be a, a contrarian. And we let not, him not teach con- the gospel. Not just a contrarian, <laughs> but I can't get, if pecan pie was available at Smith's all year round, it, it might, it might have been pie, but because it's not. I am I so sick cake. of your cake Pudding cake? Like 7-Up cake? Pies. Lemonade cake, or lemon cake, uh, that's good stuff. Lemon cake is like the driest, spongy. No, you gotta get the good stuff. I'm so done. I don't care anymore. What about, uh, you've never had a cream, Stop like a chocolate cream justifying pie? what he's doing. The olive branch is on fire right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I just don't. Goodness. I just, I felt like I knew Gavin. I felt like this was over and I've prayed about this. I fasted and he comes in and spits in the face of reformers. I'm kind of surprised because I was like, the bridge of unity is right there. And then Gavin's like, far be it for me and burns it. We, we're, we're still cool. We're still cool. It's I'm a, not it's, cool. It's water under the bridge. Drinking tea. So, the bridge is cake. on fire, Gavin. Well, we want to thank all our listeners for eating pie. Please pray for Gavin. King. This podcast Brexit has never ended on a more depressing silence of the room note. So go the tyrants. <laughs> a warning for Gavin and his kind. You will be struck down in your iniquity, you and your ilk. Ugh. Never again I was extending the hand of brotherhood. And you know what you did? You stabbed my wrist with a blade of darkness. Seth has not Seth has not been this angry since we were in art appreciation class together. Which I didn't appreciate. (laughs) Do you remember you didn't notice I was there for like months? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I'm a picker of cake, but somebody pointed out maybe I've just never had a really good pie. So if you think you have a, a bomb.com pie, like, I'll try it out. Is it Fowell or Falwell? I don't Falwell. Get this. I don't know why I can't get Falwell. It's because I respect him. Jerry Falwell, recipient of Diversity and Tolerance. Oh, we also, uh, we have turned in a grant for the Creflo Dollar Jet Fund. Mm, yep. So we'll see if we get that. Uh, fingers crossed, folks. Um, you know, the Greek word for cake in the scriptures is, is, really, bagel. is really close to the Greek word for righteousness. I thought it was uh, betrayal. <laughs> Betrayos. I think that's it. All right. This has been Tales from the Ditch. Please Pies. email us if Pies. you totally disagree with Pies. Gavin about cake and pie. Pies. Uh, at talesfromtheditch at gmail.com and please visit our website at at talesfromtheditch.download Peace out. (laughs) 